the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! There is no off-season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out. The Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access. It is a Memorial Day edition of Texans All Access Live. That is right, Zach Gilchow. You can listen later. But you're going to listen to me and my partner, Mark Vandermeer. I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter and the voice of the Texans. Mark Vandermeer, Mark, how's your weekend been? Well, you know, I was really looking forward to hearing that uh, Clint Sterner drop right before our show. I'm about to get in this pool, Coors Light, whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can't even quite imitate it properly. Uh, but I wanted to hear it because it's so Memorial yeah. Day. And that's yes, the one day we don't get to hear it. My gosh, I'm really disappointed. Yeah, that. I it's funny because there are certain things when you just hear it over and over again, you can be doing anything, mm-hmm. but I mean, it doesn't matter. You can be writing something, you can be on your phone. You can just be sitting, staring off in space. And I will hear that come on and I will, I'll just say the words right as soon as it comes on. Like I'm singing a song in my, uh, in my house. I, I've gotten so used to that being the end of their show leading into our show. So yeah, I've definitely, I've uh, gotten used to that. On tonight's show, a little later in the show, we're going to have Rice University head football coach Mike Bloomgren. They've got a, the Rice Owls do, a big ball game September 19th with the LSU Tigers that will take place at NRG Stadium. And again, as we have said many times, it bears, I guess, repeating in some sense. Obviously, things have to happen, but that is the plan as of now. September 19th, LSU and Rice. And tickets have gone on sale. So Mike Bloomgren is going to join us to talk about how it's going at Rice. And I had a great conversation with him. I believe it was on Friday. Thursday or Friday we sat down and had this conversation. So I think you'll enjoy. He talks about having to deal with a Zoom environment. And, oh, by the way, I said this during the year, Mark. I, I, we saw 13 different teams last year. Yeah, uh, yeah 13 different teams because we played Kansas City. I guess Buffalo would be 14. We saw 14 different teams play last year. I'm convinced that the the shortest player that we saw last year may have been the best player we saw last year, and that's Christian McCaffrey. And I bring that up because Mike Bloomgren invited Christian McCaffrey to join the Rice Owls via Zoom meeting and had a really good time. And they actually got some spring practices in. So we'll have Rice, Rice head coach Mike Bloomgren on later in the show. I know Patrick Mahomes was great. Their quarterbacks were great. There's no question. But Christian McCaffrey – was as good a player we saw all last year, was he not, Mark? Oh, my gosh, Johnny. And we thought about the way he's used. Is this going to last forever? Are they going to wear him out? He's an MVP candidate every time, you know, he can take the field for the majority of games. I think you'd have to call him that as long as the car, as the uh, Carolina Panthers can win. But, man, he was so dangerous running, catching, however they line him up. What a weapon. And I think, you know, you mentioned it. He gives a lot of hope to players who might not fit the mold, the NFL mold, so to speak. I mean, he just, you know, coming out of college, I think there were a lot of high hopes for him, no doubt. But I don't know if anyone expected this. Did you expect this out of McCaffrey? I thought he was going to be solid, but geez. 
I expected him to be what he was probably the first couple of years. In some sense, I thought his receiving skills were magnificent. I thought if Carolina could exploit his receiving skills, that would definitely be a way where he could step right in. But I think where he impressed me against us in particular, he, he took a pounding, Mark. I mean, he took a pounding. He had, I think, 38, 39 touches against us. And there were not any – there were no – there were no chunk runs in there. Uh, not a lot of runs where he went outside, went out of bounds. He was getting hammered. And then after all of that, he makes that juggling catch on the sideline, near the sideline for the first down. And it was like th- the best player on this field is a guy that may not be able to ride the rides at Six Flags. He's so short. Um, but well, how's he's that, unbelievable. But he's listed here. I'm looking at it at 5'11". Is that generous? Probably. Yeah, it's generous. It's that's generous. that's okay. generous. Okay, that's right. that's generous. He's not five. He's five not eleven, five two hundred five. Well, another guy who's in the news today who uh, played the position is Reggie Bush, right? Yeah. Who he checked in around two hundred two hundred five coming yeah. in to the league, right? But yeah. what was the height for Reggie Bush? I'm looking it up. No, right I think Reggie was right at six foot. Six and I foot. Think that, yeah. that was legit. I think he right. was right. But he I was remember five, 11, six foot. McCaffrey was not. I remember the talk in that 2006 offseason, is he big enough? Is Bush big enough to be a yeah. big-time NFL player? I mean, sensational in college. No one's going to take that away from him. Oh, wait a minute. They kind of did take it away from him, but for different reasons. But yeah. no one was going to take the ability and the performance away. Uh, as far as the NFL ability, well, did he have the size to do it? We were actually going back to people like Tony Dorsett, who weren't, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy in the world, had a tremendous career and all of that. But look at McCaffrey, 5'11", 200, 205, gets drafted high. And, look, it's worked out, I think, better than expected. You know, he's actually overperformed, I think. I think a lot of people thought he's not really going to live up to that. They saw why they drafted him there, but he's lived up to it and beyond. Thinking back on that, we, we've all said this, mm-hmm. which I think just based on how careers played out, that Mario was the pick in 2006 and that they're right. Were, he was he was the pick, and obviously he was the pick, but he was the right pick. How do you think? How do you think Reggie would have done in Gary's offense? Oh, very think, good. I, I, because I've I've thought about that too. Because we say that all the time. But oh yeah, Mario Williams was the pick. But I often think about what Reggie would have done in Gary's offense. I think Reggie would have been really good in Gary's offense. I don't know. Well, I just think that, that that maybe if we'd had a chance to look at that, maybe we wouldn't say that. Maybe he would have been the right fit in that offense. Well, here's another one for you. VY. Let's think about this for a moment. Yeah. If they went ahead and drafted him, now we knew what was going to happen if they drafted him. It was going to be mayhem. Yes. You were going to have to move on quickly from David Carr because the noise would have been deafening in Houston to play Vince, right? Yeah. Yeah. David could have started. But the first loss, the first, you know, it wouldn't have to be Tom Savage of the first half against Jacksonville in 2017. It wouldn't have to be that. It would have to right. be anything other than perfect, and he would have had to be out of there, and VY would have come in. Now, what if you win some games, you know? In Gary's offense, I could see VY doing pretty well. And even if it didn't pan out long term, I wonder if the affair, the, the encounter, if it was a brief encounter, if it was two ships passing in the night between Vince Young and the Houston Texans and their fans, uh, if it would have been like a great two or three years or whatever it turned out to be, if that would have been worth it to people, considering what ultimately happened. Because, yes, Mario was the right pick, but it wasn't like 
oh my gosh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. And he, it wasn't J.J. Watt, what he would do for the franchise, which, look, I'm giving – you know, I'm giving Watt a lot of credit here, and I should. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also, you know, Watt also had Wade Phillips coming in and Jonathan Joseph and Daniel. And they completely changed things around the cultural shift on that side of the football, and, and it was all part of it. And not that Watt isn't miles ahead of Mario, but you get my point here. I think right. it's interesting to look at things that way. I know we didn't intend to go in this direction, but, hey, I brought it up. Yeah, no doubt. Now, Christian McCaffrey ended up on Pete Prisco's top 100 players. Right. At what number? What number do you think he, he came in at? Well, knowing Pete a little bit, I'm going to put <laughs> – I wonder if Pete's like this doubting guy about McCaffrey. <laughs> like, well, well, yeah, so what? You know, what was their nope. record? Nope. Uh, nope. He's 20, not. 18? Five. Oh, wow. Okay. Five. Now, I bring this up because Pete Prisco is, is – Somebody that I've listened to for a long time, read for a long time because he was in Jacksonville when I was in Jacksonville. You and I have interviewed him, Mark. I I know a lot of people find Pete sort of prickly, and mm-hmm. they don't really care. I've, I've always had really good interactions with Pete. We've had good interactions with Pete uh, at the Combine. We've had some really good interviews with Pete because he's just honest. He tells it like it is. He got into a I would say a little bit of a tiff, but a lot of a tiff because on his top 100, he did not put Minka Fitzpatrick. So Steeler fan, <laughs> Steeler Ooh. fan just showed its inner Cleveland Browns fan and <laughs> went yep. after him. And he's like, look, I looked at these particular games and I didn't see what I thought was a top 100 player. And they just, they just blasted him. And look, we uh, Minka, if I did a list like this and I'm thinking about doing one, I think it would be in the top 100. I think Mink is a, a fabulous player. But the fact that Pete puts in all that time. But it got me thinking as I was going through this list, there are a few things that I always look at on, on lists like this. I've, the first thing I don't even think of is where are Texans. I think about, okay, who are the quarterbacks that the Texans have to play that are on, that are as perceived by Pete Prisco in his top 100? The Texans will play four quarterbacks that made his top 100, which I thought at first was like, that's kind of a, that's a little bit of a low number, but Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Stafford, obviously was hurt last year, who he usually likes. And you know, okay. I can see maybe four mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. Can you guess the fourth? Uh, I'm going, uh, it's, it's not Kirk cousins. He would yes. never put, it he he put is. Kirk Cousins as a top 100 player. Look, Johnny, let me just throw this one out to you. Yeah. A team, uh, you, you have a football team, and you're allowed to draft a quarterback, and you have Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford available. Who are you picking? Yeah, I don't think there's any question you pick Stafford. Right. Right, but no maybe question. it's based it's based on last year, and yeah. and you like you said, Stafford was nicked up, and you're going into this year, and Kirk Cousins did have a nice season, a nice ending to the season anyway. They did lose right. that monster game at home late in the year uh, that forced them to go play the Saints on the road, but they won that game, so good for them. Right. Um, wow, top 100 player, Kirk Cousins. Where does he have – oh, should I Cousins. ask it now? Number no. 86. Now we'll, we'll get to that in ju- and we'll get that in just a second. He has cousin number 86, but I thought this was interesting about the first three. Number one is Patrick Mahomes overall. Number seven overall is Lamar Jackson. He's got Gilmore, McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, all in front of Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, so he mm. took some heat for that. And he's got Aaron Rodgers at number 10. So the Texans will face three of the top 10 players, quarterbacks, on Pete Prisco's top 100 list. Now, the NFL will do its top 100 list. I'm just going on what Pete did. I believe, and I've, I've done the math on this, I don't think there is any other team that will face three uh, there's four quarterbacks in the top 10. Did I say top 10? Uh, yeah. Who am I missing? Oh, Russell Wilson. So Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, Rogers. So four quarterbacks in the top 10 he has. The Texans, I believe, Mark, in my crack research, mm-hmm. are the only team to face three of those quarterbacks in 2020, that being Mahomes, Jackson, and Rodgers. Uh the Green Bay has Rodgers, so that eliminates. Yeah. They're going to face the Seahawks because they both finished first. Right. Um, who else would? But they face our division. Play Jackson, play Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So they won't. They won't play Jackson. They won't play Mahomes. The Chiefs will play uh, Jackson, but they do not play Aaron Rodgers, and I don't believe they play Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and then Lamar Jackson, Baltimore plays Kansas City. But I'm trying to remember who the a- the AFC North is matched up with. Might be the N- oh, I think it's the AFC East or NFC East. So we're the only team in the league that will face three of the top four quarterbacks in Prisco's top ten. So yeah, buckle up. Now the good thing is, of those four quarterbacks I mentioned, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Kirk Cousins are the four the Texans will face on Pete's top 100. Three of them they get to face at home. Big. Number one overall, they got a face on the road in the first game. So, yeah. well, there's that. But there's, there's that. also this. Remember last year, going into the season, how we looked at the quarterback lineup for the opponents yeah. and said, that's a pretty tough lineup. Yeah. And not that it wasn't tough, but you came out of it pretty well uh, when you beat Brady, you beat Mahomes. I'm talking regular season here. Uh, you beat Rivers on the road, which prior to the season looked pretty tough i mean the the chargers won a playoff game on the road beating baltimore rivers coming off a good season playoff season all of that uh who else am i missing here about last year i mean they did play lamar jackson and lost badly up there uh matt ryan look this could be really tough and you know they scored over 30 points the falcons did but you you laid a 53 on them right yeah drew just mentioned drew Brees. drew Brees. my goodness i didn't even mention him and, look, they went toe-to-toe with them. They couldn't stop them, but they went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, offensively, they were able to do that. So, look, you just never know how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, I think last year on paper going in, I felt, well, dare I say it, worse about your chances. Or not worse about the chances, but just have, the, the challenge just seemed more daunting with those yes. names in that lineup. And I know, like, looking in the rearview mirror, okay, it went better than you thought, but, geez. That was tough going in, you know, so that should give you some hope the way it went last year and should also tell you, look, anything can happen because you did lose to Kyle Allen and you did lose to Drew Locke. And you lost to Jacoby Brissett. Two of the, two of the names that we were – two of the guys we were supposed to face. going to throw up. Cam Newton, Andrew Luck didn't have to face those two. And yeah, because that was – yes, that's a great point. I mean, Cam Newton, you thought you were getting a break. Yeah. Uh, no break. Kyle Allen uh-huh. played well. And Jacoby Brissett, same thing, up there anyway, the game up yeah. there. Played well enough. Now, there are two Watts on the list. Which one is higher, TJ or JJ? Oh, he's going to put TJ higher just to sort of – because he just likes to agitate and irritate. He's doing it for clicks and for engagement. He's going to put TJ ahead of JJ, which to me – all right, I get it. Watt missed half the regular season, came back. Uh, Again, 
if both guys are healthy, I think Watt's the guy. There's no question about that. JJ. JJ yes. Did I, I, yeah, when I say Watt, I say it in a certain way that, that right. should indicate it's a Texans Watt and not a right. Steelers Watt. If I say Steelers Watt, I'd be like, Watt. But if I say <laughs> Watt, that's Houston Texans Watt. You see, it's yes. all about inflection, Johnny. Of course. That's the way I'm it goes. You. I'm play-by-play guy. Yeah. He put TJ at 16, mm-hmm. 14 and a half sacks last year, pretty darn good year. Uh, he's been he's been a heck of a player, been, so I don't really have too much argument. Yeah. Uh, he has got J.J. Watt at 32, one spot below DeAndre Hopkins at number 31, who is no longer uh, a Texan. But J.J. at 32, so that leads That's me to – That's a lot to, of love for J.J. who missed a lot of time. I know, I know. I think Pete, I think Pete really likes him. Yeah. So let's get to our favorite quarterback here mm-hmm. in the city of uh, Houston. Are, am I going to be upset? Yes. Okay. Okay, oh, so think about, it, think about it like this. Right. Think about it like this. The, the range where Deshaun falls, yeah. think about it like numbers, offensive position. You know how the, the offensive linemen are like from 50s to 70s, wide receivers are na- mainly in the, in the 10s, uh, yeah. running backs are like from 20 to 40. What position group do you think Deshaun <laughs> Watson falls under? Uh, he, better, he better not be any lower than safety. It's good. He is in the offensive lineman category. He is at what? number. He's at number sixty-two. I mean, all right, sixty-two. What, what? Deshaun Watson does? 62. Is he familiar with Deshaun Watson? This is what Pete said. You wonder what he. You wonder what he'd be like with more help in terms of an offensive line. He threw twenty-six touchdown passes and twelve picks last season, which isn't great. Oh, boy. Does he watch him play the sport? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, are we just going to look at the numbers here? And what about the rushing touchdowns? Uh, yeah, and, he does not. And what does about winning? What about, like, winning? Yeah. The moment of truth. Yeah. So, quarterbacks ahead of Deshaun. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Mentioned all those. All Drew right, Brees fine. came in at number 11. Fine. Tom Brady at 19. <laughs> Dak. Prescott at 46. All right, right there. Stop. No. Sean no. at 62. I know, I know Dak put up a lot of numbers last year. But like I said, it's about winning. And, look, I know that people are going to accuse me. Well, look, when, when they don't have the wins, you point to the numbers. When they do have the wins, <laughs> you, you point to the wins if it's not the numbers. All right, I get it a little bit. All right, and I admit that to a point. But. I, and I like Dak Prescott. You know this, Johnny. I do yeah. like Dak. You and I, I both like this guy. But as a quarterback, I don't think there's any doubt. If you offered the Cowboys straight up, hey, you want Watson for Prescott? Done. In a second, they there's would take There's not a Cowboy Watson. that turns that idea In down. a second. Not one. And go the other way. Go the other way. Offer mm-hmm. Dak Prescott for Deshaun Watson no, to Houston not Texans doing- fans. <laughs> There's not Bands? a Texas no. fan that Bill says, O'Brien, no. 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 No, no way. Not, not happening. Not going to happen. And that is not a, a, That's not even a dig against Dak Prescott, who's a good quarterback. Right. Boy, that contract is really interesting, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. What? Like, oh, I, I mean, the one he hasn't signed yet? The one he hasn't signed. And it's just once he signs it, Johnny, it's going to be such sick money that you wonder, Mahomes mm-hmm. and Watson, it's like, oh, my 
gosh, what yeah. are these going to be? Uh, I yeah. mean, this is this reminds me of when Magic Johnson signed that first really huge NBA oh, yeah. contract. It was like twenty million dollars back in the day when yeah. like a million like twenty was years the big. or something. Yeah, it was huge. Like these contracts. I mean, uh, sticker shock. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. The other guys, look, you can argue. I, I can't, you know, I can't sit here and say, you know. I can I can make make points about why Watson might be more valuable to his team and everything like that and you know real detractors uh, of, of the Breeze ranking could say well look what we did with Bridgewater this is a really good team why did I go semi New England in a New Orleans argument I don't know yeah, but but uh, all right fine he does not belong below Dak Prescott and in NFL ranking you know wherever you have the rest of the quarterbacks Watson has to be a top 25 player, has to be a top 25 player in this league. I'm sorry. Look at the facts. Plays two full seasons, and they win 11 games, 10 games in a tough division. I mean, it's all right there for you. It is all right there for you. Tom Brady being at number 19, I thought was kind of interesting. And he is and was part of a very interesting afternoon yesterday. Mark Mm -hmm. Mark and I are going to talk about the match and – would there be similar sporting events that you would watch of a similar vein? We'll talk about that next on Texans All Access. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. Welcome back to the conversation. It's Texans All Access on Texans Radio. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Memorial Day edition of Texas All Access Live. I am John Harris, your host, football analyst, and silent reporter. On the other side of town, it's Mark Vandermeer, voice of the Texans. Mark, yesterday, did you watch the match? Of course I did, Johnny, and I know you did too. I think a lot of people were watching. A lot of people were. 5.8 million. That's the yeah. largest cable audience ever for a golf event. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Amazing. I. I'll I'll be straight up honest. I watched I watched bits and pieces. I did not wa- okay. I did not watch the whole thing. But you just mentioned it. Five point eight million viewers across four different Turner Sports Network. It was amazing. It was pouring down rain at certain points during it. It was just it was just incredible. As you watched it, Mark, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from that, no matter what it was? Maybe not your biggest, but give me a couple of takeaways that you had from that particular event itself yesterday. Well, anybody who has been listening to this show understands that I've said stuff like this before. We could have been playing golf much of this whole lockdown right? Okay, right. Uh, on television. We could have had uh, some kind of professional. I, look, I, I'm not saying you, can't run, you can run the tournaments the way you normally do, but we could have done stuff like this. And I think now they're kicking themselves that they didn't. And I think the PGA, it's funny how this lockdown sort of taught us, well, maybe the draft should be televised differently. Maybe these Zoom interviews uh, have a little something to them after all. Everybody's Mm. gotten a little more technologically savvy. Uh, uh, Maybe golf should be broadcast a little differently. Maybe we can add some things to it. Maybe we do want to mic these guys up a little bit more in a controlled sort of way. Look, this was a a, – 
an event for charity. This wasn't about your livelihood as a PGA player. I know people just think, well, come on, just just go for it. Now, Colin Coward had a tweet today, like, just wide open. Make it wide open. It's better. Like, you know, armchair golf watcher viewer guy is too old to, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to watch anyway. You know, he's going to object, but he's going to watch anyway. Yeah, I know. You want to appeal to a younger audience, but you also have to make it right. Look, I loved it. You know, Manning has a great personality. Brady, watching Brady struggle, I think everybody felt that. And watching him struggle, anybody who's played golf understands what it's like to have a round where it's just not going your way, right? It's just not going well, and you're trying to snap out of it. Then he hits that shot. Now, I actually said to my kid before uh, that happened, like a hole or two, I said, listen, Brady, it wouldn't surprise me if he hits a really big shot at some point in this tournament because in this uh, match because that's – who Brady is, and these guys are phenomenal athletes. Even though they might not be great golfers, they're phenomenal athletes, and they're capable of doing something that's extraordinary, and that was it right there. I mean, that kind of made the day, and it made it into, you know, a going concern down the stretch. So, you know, I I really liked a lot of it. I wish it wasn't raining, but, you know, whatever, they got through it. And it just showed me, Johnny, that they could have been playing this whole time. One of the things that stood out to me, you're going to think I'm really weird, (laughs) but – You've already, you've already known that. I thought one of my favorite things of the entire day was when I when you would hear Tiger Woods after a good Peyton Manning shot, he'd call him partner. And yeah. I just, you know, it, it's it's interesting because in golf, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are playing for Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. It's yeah. it's them and them alone. They might see a shot from a guy they're playing that round with, and they might feel excited, like, hey, good, you know, good shot, good shot. You know, they may know the the playing partner. It might be, you know, Marco Miro, the friend of Tiger Woods, and you know, they might, you know, congratulate each other. But they don't play team sports, and obviously, you've got two of the greatest that ever played team sports. But when I would hear Tiger Woods say that to Peyton Manning, I don't know, there was something about that that I loved, and it got me thinking about kind of the the crossover event of obviously two professional golfers with two with two professional you know football athletes obviously Peyton is retired but two players you know coming from a team sport and it got me thinking about what other events could you do now some of these obviously take into account some of the physical components <laughs> so there would be some that you couldn't do like I I first came up with a, a slam dunk contest which I think would be fantastic to watch NFL players, Major League Baseball players, golfers, whomever, get in on a slam dunk contest. I think that would be great. They used to do that way, way, way back in the day. It was called the Foot Locker Slam Dunk Contest. And I'll never forget, they had Deion Sanders and they had Bo Jackson. And then they had Mike Conley, Mike Conley's dad, who was a long jumper. Um, oh was a yeah he was a uh, Olympian Olympic long jumper, and he did some sick dunks and you're like whoa that was cool now I don't know if you could get away with that now given contracts and how much, but I started thinking about what what events would be really cool to watch so you give me thumbs up thumbs down or needs work so golf obviously that one I think you could play with any group of people, but what about this one? Two-on-two hoops for football players. Or even three-on-three. I like it. With the NFL. Like, you could have your your team in there. You know, the Texans versus the Browns. 
You know, have Darren Fells, have the tight ends versus the Browns tight ends. You have you to know, go with three players, three. Johnny. They'll never the, – Robert Edwards. That's all I have to say is I know. I, I know that. I know. They'll I never know. do it. They'll never do it with current guys because they get too competitive, you know. Yeah. That's why you will not find – you know, there was a hoop out back of the practice bubble at the Houston Methodist Training Center. It was oh, yeah. on the other side where the players never go, and some of the coaches used to go back there – uh, in the off season, at lunch or yeah. whenever they would, and play a little two on two, three on three kind of thing, but the players didn't even know it existed, and <laughs> it was probably for it. the better. They it was wanted probably it for that the way. Better. If you had a hoop yeah. anywhere near the, where the players are, you know they'd be hooping. And look, they played this basketball in the Shab era. They played this basketball game called, I think it was wall ball or something. What was it? So. Or bar ball. All right, so there was a um, so something you hang on and stretch, like a bar, which yeah. was perfectly – I think it was exactly 10 feet high, or maybe it was – I don't know. It was a good height. And yeah. you could fit a basketball right between that bar and the wall. And they would shoot free throws. And there – and I think this got out because Andre Johnson won it one year, and they gave away a heavyweight belt, and he was wearing it around <laughs> the locker room, like over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. it was a big deal to them. It was yeah. a big deal. It was, and they would get into it, and they would get into it with the media around. They didn't even care. They were so addicted to this yeah. as like a downtime kind of thing. So, yeah, you want to be careful with that. I'm sorry. I rambled. Okay. Back. All right. Well, let's change, let's change the basketball event. Okay. It obviously can't be a slam dunk contest. Of course. What about a three-point shootout? Yes, I'm in. Now, now three-point players, this could get embarrassing because some football players can shoot the lights out. I One time, downtown Boston, Doug Flutie took on Charles Barkley in a game of horse and killed him, okay? And it's Doug Flutie. He's one of the greatest athletes yeah. you know, of his yeah, time, yeah. Uh, you know, just period. He killed Barkley. And he killed Barkley. He was just shooting long range and just just killed him in horse. So you just never know. <laughs> you just never know with these guys. They are tremendous athletes, like I said. I mean, three-point shootout, you could have, I don't know, say, take take Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think. You know, Take Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes yep. in a three-point shootout against, I don't know, two other NFLers. You know, maybe, yep. maybe Deshaun and... I don't know, Darren Fells. Darren Fells probably didn't shoot many threes. Or again, Hopkins, who actually played in college. Yeah, I mean, mean, uh, basketball obviously is a sport that a a number of guys have played along the way. Mm -hmm. But three-point shootout, I think you could get away with that. I mean, it's not as strenuous. More than likely, you're not going to get hurt. You're just shooting the NBA three-point contest. Right. I think you. I think you could get away with that. Then you can bring in. You could bring in major league baseball players. I mean, you could do all kinds of things. You could with with three point shootout. You're basically uh, talking about Battle of the Network Stars here for those who are old enough to remember that kind of thing. That's what I have right here. Superstars, okay. Battle of the Network <laughs> Stars, redo version two point Now that back in the day, if you if you watch that now, and you could probably oh. go see it out on the YouTube's. You could go see what they had to do. They had a lot of comp- – there's no way. There's no way you'd do that now. There were too many competitions, mm-hmm. even when they were just sprinting the, the 100-yard dash or whatever it right. was they were running back then. It was like Gabe Kaplan playing hoops and, yeah, you're you not, know, you're not gonna Farrah do Fawcett. I mean, it was good stuff, actually, you know, back in the day. Yeah, it was awesome. But you're not obviously going to have NFL players or even Major League Baseball, NBA, whatever the case might be. Here's one, though. Okay. Well, two of them I came up with. A home run hitting contest. Ooh. 
Now, that can be completely and totally embarrassing for some players. It, it could. And, you know, J.J. does one at his softball game. Yeah. Remember, I he skipped a year. What, did he, what year did he skip? Harvey? And then they came. He or, skipped. He was, the, the, the year he came back where he missed everything and he came back. And he, and the first thing we really saw him do was the home run derby or something like that. It was after right? the seventeen season. Is that what it was? And Leckler right. was out there, and right. Watt was taking some big cuts. And I was like, "Hacks, uh, can yes. we please?" I mean, he was hitting the ball deep, but I was like, uh, "This looks kind of strenuous, and I don't want to yeah. see him pull anything." I mean, is it, eh. so yeah, you could it it, it could be semi dangerous. It could be. It could be, mm-hmm. but. It's a home run hitting contest. I think you could definitely have some fun. Here's the other one. Mm. And they do this now at the Pro Bowl. Right. And Drew Brees and the Saints do it after every training camp practice, even to a point when they have had practices with the the L.A. Chargers. They've gotten Phillip Rivers to do it. They've done it, I think, like the last three years. They have a passing skills competition. Yes, yes, that's good. You could absolutely pull that off because everybody thinks – they can throw a football. Every yeah. person thinks, oh, I, I can throw a football. And then you put up targets that you've got to hit or you got to throw in a bucket. Or, you know, at the Pro Bowl, they do it up with various spinning things and sliding things and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But you could, do some pretty, you could do some pretty elaborate passing competitions and then bring in, bring in some guys from Major League Baseball. The one, and that's what got me thinking because I remember seeing Carlos Correa throw a football. When he came out in 15, it was hard knocks, and he came out to practice, to watch practice, and they had him throwing the football with J.J. Watt after practice. And you realize Correa's got an absolute howitzer. He's got a cannon arm. And throwing a football is so incredibly difficult for baseball players. But it would be really cool to see them, a baseball player or an NBA player, try and do one of these passing competitions like they do at the Pro Bowl or one of them that Drew Brees has cooked up for the Saints. I think that one could be kind of fun. Remember the Texans had Carly Lloyd come out uh, during the hard yes. knocks year, and she, uh, you know, she was obviously awesome kicking a football. But um, there was a time before, and I can't remember the Dynamo player's name. It was it was a few years before that. Somebody coming out to practice and just drilling seventy yarders, and like it was nothing except, you know, you take a little more time, right? Yeah, of course. If you're snapping the ball, and you get the yeah. blocking, and the whole bit. It's not gonna it's not gonna be as good. I don't know if the launch point is gonna make it through the line. Um, you know, with the trajectory and all of that. But that's pretty cool. You haven't named the obvious sport here. There's an obvious one filled with trash talking, easy to shoot for television. It's just tailor-made for this thing. Cards, poker. Well, yes. and Well, the way they televise poker now, I guess so. Bowling, Johnny. Bowling oh. is the one. Yeah, that's a Bowling, good one. easy to mic up. That's easy to true. follow. It's a lot of trash talk. A lot of talking. A lot of trash talk. Maybe I some drinking, like you know. I like it. <laughs> Mark, I like it. You're thinking right along with me. Thank you, my friend. We've got to talk to Rice University head football coach Mike Bloomgren. Talk a little LSU and Rice next right here on Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. You're listening to Texans All Access. For the latest stories and videos on your Houston Texans, check out HoustonTexans.com. 
Welcome back to Texans Radio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and salary reporter. And I double as, I guess, college football analyst for Lone Star Sports Entertainment. And I couldn't be more excited to have our next guest on with us from Rice University, head ball coach, Mike Bloomgren. Coach, first of all, and Houston you, sports family, talk. the Rice family, how's everybody doing health-wise? How's everybody making it through what we got going on with this pandemic? Yeah, John, thanks for asking. We're, we're doing great, to be honest. Talking about my family in particular, you know, uh, we are eating three meals a day together. We are doing a 100 push-up challenge together every day. We're walking the Rice loop, wishing we could go in and so we're doing great as far as our team goes. You know, we uh, we had a couple moments early on where there were some challenges getting the technology they needed to be a student and, of course, to take part in our meetings as well and things like Wi-Fi that we some of us may take for granted to getting those in place for our kids and then also getting three meals a day secured for them. But right now, as we sit here, uh, our kids are in a great place, and I'm really happy with how they fought and finished the semester. And uh, I know that they're working out right now and they're doing a great job on the Zoom calls with not only our coaching staff, but with each other and leading each other. And, and that's a lot of fun. And I know that they're even like Zooming and going outside and working out and trying to torture their bodies. So as a, as a college football coach, I mean, that makes me happy. I'm happy with where they are mentally. And, and uh, I think we're all trying to make the best of the situation. Coach, I can tell you being the son of a coach, I mean, a coach myself, you get into a routine that there's certain parts of the year where you just know you're not supposed to be at home. You're supposed to be somewhere else. Has that been a little bit disconcerting from that perspective that whether it's recruiting or you're drawing up ball plays in the office or just being around the guys, spring practice, whatever the case might be that, Hey, I, I, I should be somewhere else. How, how are you kind of dealt with that difference as being the head ball coach at Rice? You know, I think that you're exactly right. Number one, those things are ingrained and like we almost like could move without thinking to get to those locations, you know, and uh, I think for the staff, it's been really tough as well. You know, when you're trying to make determinations in recruiting that you brought up and, and a lot of times we like to go and, and watch those kids in spring football practice, we simply didn't get that option. And, and look, John, like I, I know there's so many things going on in America that are bigger than football right now. I'm not trying to make light of that, but just as you talk about our normal battle rhythm and, and our grind, yeah, it's, a, it's really different right now. And because of that, that caused all of us to uh, make those changes. And, you know, we had a, a three-hour and ten-minute junior day on Zoom last weekend. Wow. And, wow. you know, all the things they tell you about Zoom, keep it short, keep it brief. Well, we've got so much great stuff to talk about with Rice football, we failed to do that. So uh, that's yeah. one thing on the after-action report. We're going to try to get our, our coaches and our recruiting staff to make sure we condense it more so that we can keep people's attention fully for whatever time we want to tell them and all the information we want to give them. But we've come up with some good workarounds. I think uh, the fact that we have eight commits and, you know, I think we're, we're number one class in Conference USA attests to the fact that our recruiting staff and our coaching staff have done a great job uh, making the best of this. Oh, that's, that's fantastic, Coach. But before we were all sent to our shelter in place, basically, you guys were able to get in about, what, nine, ten spring practices? How important yeah. was that, not only just getting practices, getting together, but also building off of what you did at the end of 2019, where you win three games in a row at the end of the year, you win two on the road, and then you get to build and get at least some spring practice in. Coach, how important was that, and what were you able to get out of those early spring practices? Yeah, so the nine practices were unbelievable because I saw our defense take another step. Uh, they, were, they really ended last year on fire, and they're a competent group, and then to see them basically take advantage of these nine opportunities to – take a step towards being that dominant group that we want them to be. And uh, whether it's 
I, I told them if they have anything in their mind other than being the top defense in Conference USA, they're not aiming high enough right now because they have the talent. We have the ability to do that, and we've got a great defense coordinator in Brian Smith. The other thing that as you look at the offensive side of the ball, we don't have a lot of people that have carried the ball for us. You know, the halfback position, uh, there's just not a lot of carries in that room right now. So they needed those reps. And, and a couple new tweaks to the scheme we put in, we needed those reps, and that was great to get those. But I think if you were to say the most important thing to come out of spring ball was we had every quarterback that will be with us in the fall in for spring this year for the first time. And so bringing in Michael Collins from TCU and TJ McMahon and letting those guys get the spring reps and compete with Giovanni Johnson and Wiley Green, that was awesome. Yeah, that's – I mean, to have, obviously, quarterbacks and finding them all there to have – or getting them all there to have that uh, competition. I can imagine those nine practices were – equal parts exciting for you but also oh man I gotta try and find a quarterback for this football team and I gotta try and find one fast because right out of the gate schedule wise it does not get any any more difficult than having to face the LSU Tigers on September 19th and coach I know there are more worries with that and, and we can talk about that down the road but the opportunity to play LSU the national champions on September 19th over in our building at NRG Stadium I, I know that when you recruit a lot of Texas athletes and they play and these high school playoff games, they play in a lot of different stadiums and great stadiums. But coming over and playing in a professional stadium where an NFL team plays, it's right across town. What does that mean for your guys uh, and for the university? I think as a competitor, it's what you want. Whether you're talking about as a coach or a player, the ability to go to a, to a NFL venue and, and apply your trade against the best in the nation. It's why you come to Rice. Again, like you go back to JFK's moon speech. Why does Rice play Texas? Same reason Rice plays LSU, because we want to try ourselves against the best. And it's something we use in recruiting. We tell these kids, we're going to get you a world-class degree, and you're going to play big-time college football. You're going to come in here and play the best of the best. Um, now, I'm not too saddened that Joe Burrow is not there. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't make me sad. But, look, that is the, that is the uh, national champion coming into our town and getting to play in an NFL venue. And I don't know if it gets any bigger than that. I can't freaking wait. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would imagine to be so excited about taking on the LSU Tigers, that's going to be a, a great experience, I would imagine, no matter what happens for your guys, because you are getting a chance to play the best of the best. And speaking of best of the best, Coach, I know with all this that's going on, there are a lot of people around the country with a lot of time on their hands, including a certain running back that I had a chance to see last year up close and personal. And I hate the fact that you coached him because he's gotten to a level where he was able to dominate us as the smallest guy in the field, and that's Christian McCaffrey. And you had a huge role in, in not only recruiting him, but coaching him at Stanford. But you had a chance to have him speak to your team at Rice. What was that like having a guy like Christian, who is such a high-profile figure in the NFL, come and talk to your team? Yeah, it was great. So Christian, his mindset has gotten even better since I was with him. Just the, the machine that is Christian McCaffrey – and to hear him talk to our team about what the being the 1% means, what it means to work that way day in and day out, and to be that driven day in and day out. And I think it really resonated with our guys because I do think that's who we recruited here to Rice is guys that want to be the best at everything that are still starters. But to hear somebody like that that's been to the mountaintop, that's at the mountaintop, uh, I think it really it's so much of a better messenger than anything I could say, whether it's the same message or not, like hearing it from Christian McCaffrey, a guy that they saw break Barry Sanders, you know, total yards in a season and come, you know, be the AP player of the year and now make what seems like a seamless transition to the national football league. Uh, it meant a lot to me that he took the time to get on and, and he wasn't in a rush. He talked for about 20 minutes and then took questions for another 10. So it was awesome. 
That's fantastic. September 19th, LSU taking on Rice. Coach, I know I'm going to be there for that football game. And I, I just want to throw one challenge at you because I've watched your offenses for years. I still watch them at Rice. My goal as I watch your team is one time, just once, and you've gotten close, I want to see one running back, one quarterback, and nine offensive linemen on the field. I, I just want you to be able to pull that off one time, whether it's goal line, fourth and short. I want one quarterback, one running back, and nine offensive linemen. If anybody can pull that off in college football, I'm pretty sure you can do that. Well, we'll, uh, we'll accept that challenge. Coach Mike Bloomgren, head coach at Rice University. Coach, you're the absolute best. September 19th, NRG Stadium taking on the LSU Tigers. Coach, best of luck. I would hope that we get a chance to catch up as we get into spring or uh, to fall practice. Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, John. Go out. That was fun talking with Mike Bloomgren, head coach of the Rice Owls, heading into 2020, and I'm sure a lot of you didn't know this, with one of the longest winning streaks in the country. Three game winning streak. We talked about that a little bit. He won two of those on the road. They got one at home. They finished 3 0 down the stretch, which for a coach like Mike Bloomgreen coming in, taking over for David Bailiff, who had been there for a long time, kind of getting the program the way he wanted, that was a huge way to start the or to finish the season, but to also kick off 2020 as well. So appreciate Coach Bloomgren for joining me September 19th, LSU and Rice. One of the best players in the country they will face that day. Number one, Jamar. Actually, we're number seven this year. Jamar Chase. Boy, he is fun to watch for LSU. Blaze Aldridge, a really fun player to watch for Rice. We'll talk more about that as we get a little closer to the game. But appreciate, Coach, for stopping by. Big thanks to Mark for being here. We will be back tomorrow, day after Memorial Day. Hats off to all of our military members, those that obviously perish giving their lives so that we can do what it is that we do on a daily basis. We love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Joanna, thank you very much for what you do. We will see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.